let's just start this episode here off with a little story time. To start off side hockey talk in 2016, used to do it this way. Sit down solo, maybe have a guest on or somebody, and that built up over the years to having a co-host and different things. But you know what? With people's lives and different things going on, you can't always get things lined up. So tonight, we're going solo. We're having a little fun. You may have seen the tweet. We're going to talk about four packs right here. Tim Horton's hockey card is going to crack them open. Hey, Hopper, watch this. I'm going to pull some Maple Leafs tonight. Switch gears, talk about the Murray and Anaheim Ducks situation over there. Also talk about NHL attendance. Uh, we kind of knew it was going to be bad, but if you know it's going to be this bad, and how is that going to impact the cap? Of course, we'll talk about the Senators' COVID outbreak, the Canucks and the Montreal Canadiens, two friends in the same boat there. And then, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs, lots of things happening in Leafs land right now. Talk about Willie Nylander and all the situations going on. But without further ado, let's crack open some Tim Hortons hockey card packs and see if we can break Alex Hobson's heart. So let's get that first pack opened up here. All right. First card, Sean Monaghan, Calgary Flames. Second card, Matt Murray from the Ottawa Senators. Then, right off the get-go, an Austin Matthews Rary. There we go. Crack pack number two. Started doing this, funnily enough, when they came out with Tim Hortons cards with my daughter. And now it's become a kind of a session of mine. First card, Patty Kane. Logan Couture. And then a Jack Hughes. Not too bad so far. Already got one more Maple Leaf than Alex Hobson's got, so I'm feeling pretty good. All right, so next one we got Ty Smith. Jeff Petrie, and a Kale McCarr specialty card. All right, we're on to the last pack already. Quick, simple, and easy little fun thing to kick off the solo episode. Your favorite cards, by the way, let me know in the comments. Oh, buddy. Jonathan Huberto, Victor Olsen, and eat your heart out, Mr. Alex Hobson. Second Maple Leaf pull. Both rares, too. So we got the Austin Matthews and the Tim Horton. So two Toronto Maple Leaf pulls out of those packs right here on Offside Hockey Talk. Don't know what they got going on in the store near Alex Hobson. Shout out to Sticks and the Six, the boys over there. But obviously, they're not putting no Maple Leafs and no packs over there. That's all right. He's got a little gift coming his way later this week. But, hey, let's switch gears, talk about the NHL. So the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll get to them later on, obviously, like I said, off the hop. But right now we're going to talk about Matt, the Murray situation, not Matt Murray. Talk about Murray and the Anaheim Ducks. So obviously came down, there was an investigation. Then all of a sudden he's stepping down, going into the you know treatment program. Um, good on him, I guess, for that. I wonder what the investigation turns out. You don't want to say anything bad about a person until everything is known, all the facts. But obviously... With how quick this happened, there has to be something of substance there that is triggering all these motions to go through. And you have to start to wonder, you look at what Jeff Merrick says, well, is there going to be more of this? Is there going to be more problems that end up rearing their head here in the NHL that's starting to need to get solved? That were things that were, you know, looked the other way on, swept under the rug, uh, maybe things that just weren't really talked about. Don't know. Have to check it out. Um, 
as far as the, the Murray situation goes, obviously an interim GM coming in, uh, we'll have the tag for the rest of the year, not something they're rushing on. And in a year for the Anaheim Ducks where they're kind of rebuilding, um, you know, this is okay for them to have that interim GM. You hope that Murray gets the help that he needs to get himself back on track and then to be a functioning member of society, but I don't think he'll be back um, with the NHL Ducks or the NHL in general. Uh, this season does seem to be the season of change and for a good reason too. I mean, there's lots of things coming out of all of these situations that are making organizations better, making people think, um, and also empowering people to have a voice, which is huge. It is something that is needed to happen. Um, so now that mechanism is there for voices to be heard, respected, and acted upon. The last one is a huge thing. You know, to be heard is one thing. To be respected for your opinion is another. But for those things to finally be acted upon and taken seriously and moved up the command of, to chain of command, you know, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly said they want to be there. The hotline's there as well. So it's going right to the top right away. And they are urging members of these NHL teams to get in there and say these things and take these things bull by the horn and say, this is no longer acceptable. We're cutting this off right here, right now. So uh, kudos to that stuff happening. Kudos for the mechanisms now being in place and actually used for players, personnel, teams, everything. All of that is now there and can be used. And we will see, I think, more of this, but for the better. And obviously to get more thinkers and different people back into the NHL, you know, of different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different, different ways of doing things, you know, can come into the NHL now and kind of break up the old boys club and say, hey, there are new ways, fresher ways of thinking, creating and building positivity throughout all organizations. And I think that's huge, something that definitely needs to be looked at. Never easy to switch gears. And this one's going to be a quick episode, guys, because I'm going to get back into the swing of doing these episodes, probably solo dolo for a while. Um, next thing for me is the NHL attendance. So the Toronto Maple Leafs were in Buffalo, and we all know that Toronto fans love to travel to Buffalo to watch the games. Pretty empty building. Now, I know COVID plays a huge fact into this you know, right now the Canadian government's making you pay what, like $300 for a quick test to make sure that you're negative to come back into Canada. So that may factor into people going, but you look around the different rinks, you know, some are doing well, but a lot are not. And even the Toronto Maple Leafs are now posting and saying, we have 15 game packs. We have this pack. We have that pack. Pick your game set up here, there, and everywhere for each and every team. And you'll look at that and it causes concern, not only for, watching the game but it causes concern for your favorite team why do i say that well what drives the cap going to revenue so if you do not have fans coming to the games and that revenue being built up through the gate which is where one of the main drivers is for teams you are not going to be able to rise that cap number to the where you want it within three years which i think is reported by elliot friedman we're going to be pretty stagnant maybe one or two million going for the next few years mm -hmm. if you want that cap to be able to go up properly you're going to have to have the attendance numbers be where they were now obviously people are nervous post-pandemic like i said people aren't traveling but obviously the fan bases in those cities also are not comfortable as of yet to get going back to games but with everything happening around the nhl the chicago blackhawks and all that's gone into the kyle beach john doe 2 
all of that information coming out and making its way to the forefront. Then you have the stuff happening in Pittsburgh with Bill Guerin when he was a GM over there. He didn't do anything wrong, but if, well, definitely did actually do something wrong. Didn't report it, didn't follow it up. But him himself, he wasn't the actual perpetrator. Uh, but that situation there in Pittsburgh, you have that. And then you just look at all of these different situations that are happening. And maybe it's putting a stain on the NHL. And it's, a, you know, maybe this is where you have to hit the NHL for things to change is that pocketbook. And this may be a driver for that. But I look at the attendance numbers and it really makes me nervous, especially if you're an NHL GM. If those numbers are not going up. Your salary cap's not going up, which obviously means your operating budget for your team is not going up. So you're not going to be able to sign players that you've brought along through your system. And hey, Leafs fans, we know this very, very well. So I hope the uh, the attendance numbers do go up. But is it shocking? Absolutely freaking not. Absolutely not. And we know the way things have shaken out so far. I think uh, I think we're going to have ourselves a long, long small cap up bringing here for a little while. <clears throat> So we'll switch gears again, move on to the Ottawa Senators. Now, the Ottawa Senators, they're supposed to be this pesky team. I talked to John Trache, the PA guy, for the Ottawa Senators all the time. And I look at it like this, and I say, okay, so this team was supposed to compete a little bit more this year. They have some serious building blocks in place. Matt Murray, everybody is hoping he re-elevate his game, bring himself to that next level. He just hasn't been able to do so as of yet. And you look at the the – COVID situation now, canceling three games for the Ottawa Senators, and then you start to say, okay, so now Ottawa has three games canceled. They have to replay those at some point in the season. doesn't matter if they're out of it or not. Those games still have to happen against those opponents. But then you start to look at the other thing. The other mechanism here for this whole schedule, and the Ottawa Senators now are the first team to fall victim to this, is the Olympic break. So if the NHL wants the runway to be able to play these games and get their full 82-game season in, but now they're having to, for the first time this season, and hopefully maybe the only time this season, but, you know, you can knock on wood all you want. COVID is going to do what it wants. It's going to make itself known wherever it is. If you want to get those 82 games in and you have to start canceling games, the first thing to go is going to be, obviously, the Olympics and the All-Star break. What I wonder is, will you have players that just buck the system and say, no, 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 no. I'm going to the Olympics, like an Alex Ovechkin, an Austin Matthews, Patty Kane. Uh, name the player that likes to go play over at the Olympics and has their heart set on it. And was, you know, you look at how unanimous the, the, the vote was for these players to be able to go over and play in this Olympics. So, you know, these guys are probably going to say, well, I'm going anyway. I'll take the suspension. And I know Ted Leonis, I think he's the owner of the, the Washington Capitals, has already said, you know, before that Ovech could, could go tongue-in-cheek. Uh, he got his, you know, fingers wrapped for that. But, you know, you want to make sure these guys get every opportunity to support their country and do what they want to do. But with situations like what happening with the Ottawa Senators, that could throw that Olympic break into jeopardy and they not end up going to the Olympics themselves, which is... Little link, but for the senators themselves, I hope all the players and everything is back to normal. What it looks like they're doing is a mini bubble. Um, you know, obviously, rink home, rink home, rink home, staying at a hotel. If you are positive or asymptomatic positive or anything like that, you're staying away from your family and everything, too. So that draws into it. And you look at the senators this year, I said 
you want to see this team take those steps. I mean, you got to Chuck signed, you got Batherson signed, Shabbat signed, you're working on Norris, Matt Murray's there for a little duration. You know, you want these guys to be there and you have the building blocks. That's what you convinced to Chuck with. You know, he's the captain of this team. You want to see this team take those next steps. And so far this season with COVID and everything happening, they haven't been able to find their footing and it may quickly fall out of favor for them. Um, I said in the, the, uh, the preseason rankings, I didn't have them in the playoffs, but I had them knocking at the door and being that team that just pisses people off week in and week out and ruins chances for other squads. That's still what I think they're going to be. But right now it's just absolute pandemonium there with the COVID situation and with not being able to get their footing and a foothold to get this season rolling the way that they want it to get rolling. Um, speaking of two teams that haven't got rolling the way they wanted to get rolling, uh, first off, tip of the cap to Carey Price. Uh, to come out with that statement, we weren't owed any, any explanation. I don't care what anyone online says. There's a lot of idiots online that seem to think they are entitled to what the situation is with Carey Price or Johnny Drouin. Name the player, name the time. They think they should have all that information and it should be given to them. I do not believe that for one second, but what Carey Price did was take the bull by the horns and let everybody know what he was there for and what was going on. And in doing so, allowing other people to feel comfortable to come forward with their situation and try to get help and seek help. And if he can shed some light on his and help some people with theirs. I think that is huge. So tip of the cap to Carey Price. I know he's working on his conditioning and working his way back to the Montreal Canadiens organization. I hope he takes all the time he needs to get back to being 100% Carey Price and 100% Carey Price the person first, the player second. So tip of the cap to Carey Price for coming out with that. You probably helped an immense amount of people and you don't even know the impact that had. But that's huge, huge. And again, he owed that to no one, but huge of him to do so. Now, the Montreal Canadiens themselves, as a Leafs fan, I'm not trying to dunk on them. I'm not trying to slam dunk. I got a lot of good friends over on the Montreal Canadian side. So for me, I look at the Habs and I say, <clears throat> what's going on? What is going on there? Obviously, without Carey Price and Shea Weber, that is huge for them. But then you have Joel Edmondson out, family situation, and some guys coming back that aren't themselves. Now, maybe the Stanley Cup hangover is real for the Montreal Canadiens, and they are struggling, and they are having problems. Um, you know, Mike Hoffman wasn't there to start the year. Now he is there. Now he's out. Drew in, in and out. Uh, you lose Cock and Yemi, Dvorak. You lose Deneau. Deneau, to me, is a huge one. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. This guy was your defensive center, second-line center, but he took the favorable matchups in the defensive zone. He took, you know, the bulk of the load defensively and allowed Suzuki to do his offensive thing. Now you don't have that. That mechanism's gone. And you're looking at Dvorak and Suzuki to carry that bulk of the mail. And the inexperience is showing. You know, Cole Caulfield as well. They're not going to slam the guy. You know, what the Utica comments did, that's, that's up to them. That's, you know... A, silly and fun, but B, crossing the line a little bit. Uh, it's okay to poke the bear, but, you know, don't don't bully a guy. Don't beat a guy down when he's down. You know, that's just foolishness. But uh, I look at Cole Caulfield, and I said this 
to the guys over at the Habs and Filter podcast. I said, you know, you shouldn't hitch your wagon to a young player who's just coming into the league because the expectations go from here to here. And we all know what that's like in a Canadian city. It's absolute craziness. It's a fishbowl. You can't go anywhere without somebody saying your name or wondering why you're not doing well. And for him, he came in university, came over to the Habs, got in the lineup, made some noise, scored overtime goals and all the flash and dash had a pretty good playoffs. But here's the thing. The regular grind for this guy was not there. Okay. He didn't go through the NHL grind yet. He didn't go through the AHL grind yet. You know, these guys are bigger, faster, and all that stuff. And I know he did it through the playoffs and all that stuff. But it's all, that was completely different last year. Completely different, okay? Especially seeing the same teams a whole bunch of times. Different things like that. This is different. This is travel. This is, this is the big boys game, okay? And I think Cole Caulfield just needs to get a little bit of confidence back in the AHL. Get his feet under him. Get rolling. But I said this from the beginning. I think that's where he should have been. I picked him high in my hockey pool because – I really wanted him and Kirill Kaprizov to come in and blow the doors off, fill the net, because I thought that was going to happen. Obviously, you look at what all the the prognosticators were saying about Cole Coffin. He's going to be the rookie of the year, a slam dunk for rookie of the year. You know, all those things are great to say, you know, but when a guy starts to have a bad season, we'll all poke fun a little bit. But the thing is, you look at the human element of things, this is a young kid who needs to find his confidence, find his game, and get back to rolling. And he needs not all the pokes and jabs and jarbs, especially from Habs fans, wondering where he went, and then throwing the cold coffee name at him. Guys, be better, man. You guys were in the Stanley Cup final last year. You know, that's amazing. You guys aren't doing so hot this year, but support the guys you got there, okay? Because uh, there's a lot of good guys in that squad. I mean, anybody would take a Brendan Gallagher. Anybody would love a Tyler Toffoli. Uh, you can keep Josh Anderson. You know, that contract is crazy. Obviously, if he lives up to the billing, that's cool, but I don't think he's going to. Speaking of not living up to the billing, Vancouver fans, let's uh, let's sit down and talk for a minute here. So coming into this season, I looked at the Vancouver Canucks, and I thought, you know what, the Pacific Division, got a pretty good chance to probably make some noise. Elias Pedersen took a little bit of time, but you got him signed. Quinn Hughes, same deal. Took a little time, but he's there. One of the best defensemen, offensive defensemen there is. Then you went and signed every Tom, Dick, and Harry to a little bit of expensive deals like Tucker Pullman and stuff. So those things are hard. Then you have Travis Hamannick sitting home. Um, it's hard to pinpoint what went wrong or what's going wrong there. The, the talent seems to be there. Um, but it's just insane to me to see a team with guys like Pedersen and Besser Horvat, you go down the list and Quinn Hughes and just Thatcher Demko between the pipes the things that are supposed to happen there that just aren't happening and you wonder what is going on is the mess is it like the Leafs did the message fall on deaf ears from Travis Green do they need a new voice do they need a new GM who brings in the right type of guys we talk about chemistry we talk about locker room we talk about all these things maybe that's what's needed here in Vancouver, someone to strike it down. I got asked the question the other day in one of my live feeds when I was on TikTok. Uh, do you think that the Sedins could be the answer to the problems in Vancouver? And I said, no. I said, no, they'd be great. They'd be great for certain aspects. 
But right now they need somebody who's going to come in and just be a butt kicker, not a butt kisser. And just tell these guys what it is, where it is, why it is, and what you need to do to further the game and bring it forward. Because obviously these guys here in Vancouver right now, it's just not working. You got a guy like Elias Pedersen, and I listened to uh, Kevin Woodley on the 32 Thoughts podcast. Great listen. He's on for two episodes, back-to-back. You got to listen to him. But he's talking about Pedersen dusting the puck. Instead of using that lethal release he has, he's actually cradling the puck, which is giving the goalies time to settle down, which is taking away some of his weapons. So maybe he just needs to find that confidence to get that rolling. But how do you do that? How do you do that when you're losing? And then again, Canadian market. We talk about Montreal. Canadian market, obviously, the fans are on you. Everyone's on you. The media is on you. And I'll take you back to before Elias Pedersen signed. And there was a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment about maybe he doesn't want to be there. You know, that came out. What makes a guy even more unhappy and not want to be there? Being pestered by the fan base. I know you get paid millions of dollars, but even still, even still, these things affect people. It starts to break down your mental game. Sometimes that's why guys go out to Florida or LA or any of these smaller markets and end up lighting it up because the pressures are not there. You can walk down the road and you don't have people saying, Hey, what's going on with the power play? Why aren't you scoring goals? I picked you in my fantasy pool, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and now I'm seeing trade rumors about Brock Besser. Well, how many things do you do before you start to say, maybe betting and green are the issues in Vancouver and those two people need to be out of the organization, some new brought in and some guys to just drive it home and try new things. You look what happened with the Leafs when they fired Babcock, you know, it seemed to jolt the team, jolt the energy. Um, They always say, you know, a GM gives a coach a trade. Well, are you really going to trade Brock Besser? Are you really going to try to move a Bohorvat? Like, what, what are you going to do? You're going to move one of those bigger guys? That's your that's your bullet in your clip? You're going to do that for a coach that it seems like he's lost the room and lost the ears of the players? Um, and no offense, I mean, I know Aquilini said he's, he gives betting a full vote of confidence, but how do you give somebody a full vote of confidence when it doesn't appear to be working? The things you've brought in, the moves that you've made, don't seem to be gelling the team any better than what it was. So I think that you really need to – I think you need to do it now. If you want any serious salvation of this season, you need to make those two moves immediately, um, clean house on that side of things, and hopefully you can get these guys rolling, get the confidence back, get the spark, get the fun, get the energy. Um, you know what Keith said when he came in, he, he kind of had the cradle of the Leafs a little bit. You know, put the music on, do the fun things, you know, get the light, get the light back into the lineup. And I think that's what they need in Vancouver right now. I'm not saying that you need music and fun. I'm just saying you need to inject some life there. Um, you know, I don't know. But for me, to trade a guy like Besser or trade a guy just to make a move, to try to make a statement to shake things up, I, I think those days are gone. I think you need to get rid of betting, get rid of green, and move forward for the Vancouver Canucks. I really, really feel bad for, for Canucks fans this season. Uh, I thought they were going to do great, especially the Pacific Division. It looked like a gong show, pretty wide open. But when you're sitting at the bottom of that, you know, seventh, whew, you're sitting there wondering when things are going to change and how they're going to change and 
how do we have this talent, some of the premier talent in the NHL, and not be able to take the steps forward needed to be to be even be a playoff team? You know, not not a division leader, just a playoff team. You're not even there. Makes me shake my head, man. I'm sorry for Vancouver fans, 100. percent uh, Lastly, on the docket, the topic du jour on this show. You see the blue and white behind me. It's obviously the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, kind of cool things happen in Leafland, I guess. They're eight and one in their last nine. Not too shabby. But Sheldon Keith is not happy. Surprise, surprise. The guy who said the exact same thing last year in the Amazon documentary about the team picking up points, but they're not playing the right way and not having Stanley Cup habits. Here we go again, serving it up on a platter. Leafs are winning, but they're blowing leads, defensive assignments, not doing the right things, not covering for each other when a D-man goes down low, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hello, Jack Campbell, by the way, for bailing us out. Absolutely wonderful. Joseph Wool, congratulations on your big W, your first one in your NHL career. Happy to see your mom jumping around and enjoying that one. But Leafs fans, let's not kid ourselves here. I said this to Josh Egan, Dave Alter, Alec Hobson, everybody who was on the pregame, pre-show, for the preseason, season preview, longest name ever. I said, I want to see this team be able to suck the life out of a game. Be up 2-1 and suck the life out of it. Now, there's been glimpses of that, absolute glimpses of that. But I don't want glimpses. I want full-on beaming into the sun view of this team being able to hold a lead, capture a lead, and win a game dominantly from pillar to post. I want teams chasing them. If you have some of the top offensive talent in the NHL, there is no reason you should be always chasing the matchup. The matchup should be chasing you. You have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares, Morgan Riley. The matchup should be chasing you to figure out what you're going to do. I understand times you have to stymie the other team's best players. I get that. But when does the tide turn and you say, hey, you're going to chase us. We're not chasing you. That needs to happen more. These guys need to take over games and just dominate. That, I think, is what Keith was waiting for because he wants to see that from pillar to post. And that's what I'm saying, and I've been saying it all season long. It's great to rack up points. Playing like this in the playoffs ain't going to get you nothing. Nothing but another first-round see-you-later exit. It's great in the standings right now. We all said at the beginning of the season, none of this would matter. Guess what? All of us, all of us have abandoned that post of it doesn't matter. I've seen more pictures of the conference, more pictures of the overall in the NHL, more pictures of the Atlantic division and where the Leafs are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we go into this and we look at the Leafs. Okay. They go in, they beat Philly, 3 nothing. They go in. They beat Buffalo. They go in. They win. They win. They win. Great, great, great. What happened Saturday night? The Leafs look like they have a game in hand. All of a sudden, it's 4-4, and you're using a Morgan Riley off-the-bar knuckle puck to win with 11.8 seconds left to go. Absolutely cool to see Mojo score that goal and for us to win. We'll get his victory, et cetera, et cetera. 
Oh, William Nylander was stapled to the bench. And here's the thing. I have a theory on this one. So you take William Nylander. He's been one of your best players, most consistent, scoring goals, you know. So he has a bit of a whatever game. So you bench him. Okay. No problem. You bench him in the third period with less than five to go. Okay. You're the coach. You do what you need to do. You do your thing. My theory here is you can't bench Marner because his confidence is already shook this season. We've seen the Amazon documentary. We shook there too. So you can't really rattle his cage too much. Austin Matthews, you go sit Austin Matthews while you're sitting your absolute meal ticket to winning a game because we've seen it time in and time out. And Keith did say that if they went to overtime, Nylander definitely would have been on the ice. For me, you take a guy like Nylander who's absolutely hot and you send a little bit of a message that, hey, even though you're doing great, even though you're getting points and doing well, you can still be benched. And like I said, you can't do that with Mitch right now. Confidence is already shaken. So don't stir that one. There's a little Bond reference for you. And then Austin Matthews. Well, you can't sit your meal ticket. You can sit John Tavares, but why would you sit John Tavares? He's been one of the most consistent players on the two-way game, scoring everything you can ask him, blocking shots. He's doing it. He's there and he's doing it. Also, on John Tavares, anybody knows he's doing a whole lot of like this during the games, like something's crinking his neck. Really hoping there's no residual effects from that Corey Perry situation that happened in the playoffs. But if you watch the game, there's a whole lot of this going on. And I know when I do that, that's because there's a crick in my neck and it hurts like a mofo and I want to get it out. You're looking for a way to pop. Obviously, they got trainers in the back that can work on them, crack them, do all the different things, make them feel magical. But you look at the game, that's not something I want to see every game is him grimacing, you know, twisting his neck around. Obviously, he's trying to feel comfortable. He's playing through it. Another player I think is playing through a hip injury is Jake Muzzin. Go back and watch the past couple of seasons. You always see Jake Muzzin holding his hip. He's always kind of a little bit, you know, trying to stretch that side out. And I think it's definitely the right side hip that's giving him a problem, which would lead to this season why he looks like he has mobility issues, a little bit slower, uh, not as quick to pivot to that side. Uh, also, defending on that side could be an issue for him. Um, this is just me spitballing, but it definitely looks like he's got something going on in that hip area. Don't know if you've ever banged your hip off something and had some bruising or an issue there um, where you don't have the full flex mobility where you can turn and you kind of grimace every time you do and you, you know, stay away from it. Or it could be the injury's healed, but he's so used to not going that way because he's grimacing in pain or used to that pain being there that now it's a mental block and things happen. Um, then let's get to the line combinations. <clears throat> Can someone explain to me how Nick Ritchie today in practice is back on the first line? Yes, his shooting has gone up. Yes, his chances have gone up. But here's the thing. He does not fit with Matthews and Marner. If you put those two back together, I want to see it with Andre Kasha. I want Kasha on the first line. That guy is a bulldozer. Speed can score, got hands doing the whole nine chip bongles. That is a guy that I want to see on that first line. Now I look and I say, okay, Michael Bunting's not there anymore either. He's now on the fourth line. I've said this all season long. Michael Bunting loves to take a whooping and keep on ticking, loves to get into it and smile and having a great time. 
He's put the puck in the net a few times, generated a few chances. What is Nick Ritchie doing that he's allowing Sheldon Keefe to say, nah, he's back on the first line? Do I agree with Kerfoot on the second line? Sure. Why not Andre Kasha? I'm saying Andre, I'm beating the Andre Kasha drum now like I beat the Nick Ritchie drum to start the season. For me, Ritchie, you could sprinkle him on the second, third, or fourth line. You know, use them where you want to use them, but not on that first line. That first line, I want to see Matthews and Marner with Kasha. If you're going to put Matthews and Marner together, put them with Kasha. Please, put them with Kasha. And one little thing that no one is thinking about, and a guy who's just skating around, getting healthier, Ilya Mikheyev is on the mend. And this is a guy that we're going to have to get back in the lineup somewhere and fit throughout our top nine, bottom nine, whatever you want to call it. He's got to have a spot. And you know that Keefe's going to throw him right out there with John Tavares and Willie Nylander if that's going to be the line. I mean, I said it the other night. I think that uh, Mikheyev's time is done here. And I think either Dermot or Hall's time is done as well. You package those two players out and send them somewhere and get a package back, get something back. Um, you know, sure, of that D. But it looks like they're looking for a forward. Here's two names that I've thrown out. Why not go look at what Phil Kessel's doing? You're already paying him. Be fun to have that little story, write the ending right there. Or if you're pushing your chips in and this is your year, go get Patrick Line. Go get him. Find a way to make it happen. Get Patrick Line. Have those two trigger men on the power play, Matthews and Line. Absolutely one timers. Who's stopping it? Who's stopping? Him? Nobody's stopping that. Matthews, Line, Marner. Nylander, Riley, hello, nurse. Yes, check, 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 please, because that is a power play that would be lethal. All right, well, here we go. We build dreams, we have fun, we talk hockey tonight. A little rough, obviously, going solo. Didn't have it prepped this way, but this is how she might be shaking out for the next little bit. So three stars for this week for the Toronto Maple Leafs. My third star is going to be the one, the only, Mojo Morgan Riley. Blocking shots, learn how to defend the two-on-one a little bit more, wheeling, dealing, scoring with 11.8 seconds left to go. Mojo, you got my third star. My second star of the week is going to go to the one, the only defensive machine. I think he's the stabilizer of this defense. Underrated signing, David Kampf. <laughs> yeah, I said defense. This guy is defensively winning faceoffs, blocking shots, gumming up the other team, bringing a cycle game, doing all those little things that we need the third line center to do, eating up large chunks of time, doing it on the penalty kill, all defensively. So David Camp, you get my, oh, and scored a goal the other night. to boot. So David Camp, you get my second star, my first star of the week. He is my new favorite bulldozer on this team. It is Andre Kasha driving the net. Physical play, getting beat, knocked around this way, that way, every way. Scoring goals. Starting to feel that touch, that double clutch where he missed the puck and then took it and snapped it. Ooh, that was nice. Cannot wait to see more out of Andre Kasha. Want to see him up with Matthews and Marner. I think that would be a lethal weapon right there with those two units. Get that done. All right, guys, this has been Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.